The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 11 minutes past 8, African Union leaders have advised Kenya President Uhuru Kenyatta not to attend the scheduled criminal trial at the International Criminal Court if the Hague-based court rejects the call by the African Union to defer his trial. On Saturday, African Union leaders who met in Addis Ababa petitioned the United Nations Security Council to instruct the ICC to suspend prosecution cases against Kenyatta and his deputy, William Ruto. The two Kenyan leaders have been indicted by the ICC for instigating ethnic violence after the country's 2007 post-election violence. The summit also endorsed the process of expanding the mandate of the African Court of Justice and Human Rights so that it could try international crimes such as war crimes, genocide and those against humanity. Does the African Union have the capacity to provide solutions for African problems? This is the question we ask on the forum this morning. A very good morning and welcome. Joining me in the studio is uh, Dr. Kofi Kwaku. He's a senior lecturer, Graduate School of Public and Development Management at Fitz University, as well as Dr. Dan Kuali. He's a senior researcher at the Center for Conflict Resolution. He's in our seat point studio. And uh, on the line with us is Professor Shadok Gutu, constitutional and international law expert. Gentlemen, a very good morning to you all, and thank you very much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you and good morning to the listeners. Perhaps I'll, I'll start with you, Professor Guter, because I believe you're only with us briefly. Is this a legal or a political issue? The African Union has taken this decision, requested that the United Nations defer the trial of Uhuru Kenyatta. In making the decision, I'd imagine that they'd have to appeal to members of the Security Council, but would that be from a legal or political plane? Well, it is definitely a political <coughs> resolution and a political strategy. Of course, it tries to use the law. The relationship between law and politics uh, is quite close in such matters. And uh, what they are really trying to do is to ask the UN Security Council in this regard, not just the UN, to invoke... Um, Chapter 7, which is Article 39 to 51 of the UN Charter, which deals really with issues of um, where there is a threat to peace, where there has been a breach of peace, or where there is aggression. In this particular case, they are really saying there may have been a breach of peace, and if at all... uh, the uh, trial goes on, uh, President of Kenya should not attend uh, because to attend would lead to another war, which is really very interesting that okay. it is. Yeah. We'll talk about those uh, political aspects in just a moment, but I, I want to look at two things. that uh, The African Union has raised this thing before. First of all, the issue of what it sees as the abuse of the processes of the ICC. It has complained about this before, if I recall, I think in 2008, uh, in a letter also to the presidency of the ICC. And it also points out the... Complementarity uh, principle of the ICC and the reason that it's been set up. The fact that the ICC is the last court 
of resort or the court of last resort. Is this something that would sway the opinion of the United Nations? Complementarity is in the Rome Statute, which established the court. In other words, the court is uh, complementary to national jurisdiction. If a country is willing and able to try a crime which falls within the Rome Statute, then the national would have priority. Kenya did not want to do so, and that is why the matter went there. And now Kenya is trying to pretend that it wants it, but uh, its parliament already passed a resolution saying they will not, uh, they don't want any trial of the matter. So Kenya is unwilling, and therefore the principle of complementarity and bringing it back to Kenya will not hold, factually. But is there evidence, as the African Union argues, of abuse of the ICC, especially with regards to how it has pursued, as it's seen to be doing, African leaders, there are those who even argue that though some countries have taken part willingly, there's been a lot of pressure put on them. Uganda, the Democratic Republic of Congo used as examples, for instance. Uh, the cases which you cite, first of all, it was Uganda that referred the matter to the ICC. Uganda then subsequently established a local court, a special court dealing with international crimes. Uh, DRC sent the cases there. Um, Ivory Coast sent the cases there. So the bulk of the cases from Africa, which are there, were sent by the African government themselves or states. They were not ones that were initiated by the prosecutor. The only one which was referred by the UN Security Council was the Sudan case, uh, but otherwise most of the cases from Africa have been referred there by the Africans, the leaders themselves. All right. So, well, then let me come back to my other guest then, uh, Dr. Kwaku. We've spoken about the legal aspects of this, but there seems to be an impression that the African Union has sort of come late to the party, that they've woken up to uh, the prospect of Kenya's president coming before the Hague-based court. But as far back as 2008, as I mentioned, they... uh, sort of raise the same concerns with regards to the indictment against Hassan Omar al-Bashir of Sudan? Yes, they have. But most important, I want to give an answer to your question. And you've asked, is the AU capable of providing solutions to African problems? The bitter answer is no. And clearly this no is not as sweet as many people would want to hear. And the reasons are all over the places. If the AU were capable of doing this, we wouldn't first answer that question. And second, we wouldn't see the kind of mess we're in right now all across the continent, as much as the idea that the continent is growing and things seem to be doing much better than before. We can do better. But uh, coming back to your point, it is always a reactive strategy by the African Union to deal with most of its problems. So, because there's a vacuum 
other nations and international institutions are always stepping in. It's a really reactive, though, because if you're listening to uh, Ethiopia's Prime Minister, one of the things he's saying is that the breakdown of relations between the ICC and the African Union is primarily because when the African Union has raised these concerns, there has not been any response that is satisfactory that they are being heard. Well, that's what the African Union is saying. When you make this point strongly enough, people will pay attention to it. Now that they've made a point, they said, we are looking at this, take, take, uh, pay attention to what we're saying. If not, there is a potential that many of our members might withdraw from the ICC. Suddenly everybody's paying attention, although it's now coming to the point, almost a brinkmanship. Mm. The African Union has got to find different ways to communicate its imperatives and make sure that people pay attention to them and give answers to them as quick as possible. And I still believe it's a reactive uh, approach, although they have some points. Which you believe are? Basically that there is a strong suspicion that many African countries are under the thumb than they've been bullied by the international court in and out. That's the one big one. Professor uh, Dr. Kowali, what, what is your thought on this? Uh, 121 countries are now state parties of the Rome Statute. Out of these, 33 are African countries, which represents the largest bloc in terms of the continent. And yet all of the cases originate here in Africa. Yeah, good morning, dear listeners. Uh, good morning, colleagues. Uh, first, I just want to correct uh, that uh, there are actually 34 member states uh, who are parties to the Rome Statute, uh, African state studies. And uh, to answer your question, I think my answer is yes and no. Yes, uh, the African Union has the capacity to sort out uh, African problems. Uh, in this case, if the AU can actually tell the leaders to stop committing crimes, then the ICC will have no reason to come to Africa. Secondly, if African states can strengthen their domestic jurisdictions to be able to try their own, then uh, the ICC would not have any reason to come to Africa because it's a complementary court. It's a court of last resort. And then uh, my other answer is no, because uh, first, uh, the issue of costs. If you look at the budget of the ICC at the moment, just to investigate cases, it's double as much as the whole budget of the AU. So where would the AU get the money to investigate or even prosecute the cases? And then the second issue is uh, the relationship between the ICC and the African Court of Justice and Human Rights. That has not been uh, defined because uh, members of the AU are also members of the ICC. So how is, it, how is the relationship going to work? And then the third reason is uh, the feasibility of that particular court. If you look at the present court at the moment, the African Court for Human Rights, it has 11 judges, and all these 11 judges work part-time, the reason being that... Uh, the issue of uh, budgetary restraints. So where would the AU get the money to pay the judges to work full-time on these cases? What would you uh, say to the assertion then, to those who say if the ICC is really committed to playing that secondary role, it would then play a role in assisting in funding, it would play a role in assisting in training of officials or even 
logistical support for some of these trials to take place? I think the easiest way to go is uh, to fund national human rights institutions so that they're able to prevent uh, these mass atrocities than reacting after the fact when uh, the victims have already suffered uh, violations. Oh eight nine one one oh four two eight will take your calls in just a moment. Oh eight nine one one oh four two eight will take your calls in just a moment. The question we're asking is does the African Union have the capacity to provide solutions to African problems? So we're talking about the structures that are in place now, uh, Dr. Kwali was speaking about it now, the, uh, there was a draft protocol that was uh, put forth by the African Union. I'm just looking for the right wording in just a moment, uh, Dr. Kwaku. But how important is it? I mean, we're talking about the fact that the African Union is, is being reactive. But it's now said, uh, we endorse this, we always have, we're putting the wheels in motions that we are now going to empower and equip uh, the African court to be able to undertake such cases. Some have said the problem might be the credibility then of the African court based on the fact that its mother body is the African Union, which is now making this motion. Yes, I mean, I've come back again to the answer I gave to you. Does the African Union is capable of providing solutions to African so- problems? And the answer again is no. It's not about if and if this and that. At this actual moment, it doesn't. And it's very clear because if it did, its own courts justice of justice will be able to deal with these, both at political level, economic level, the ability to fund most of these operations, most of these problems, and find solutions are not there. They are trying, and they're trying hard enough. That's one of the reasons others are stepping in to try to help. But those who are helping are now setting the agenda for the African Union, by and large, both in funding. If you look at the budget of the International uh, Criminal Court, Africa is not even given, and doesn't even figure on it. And Africa itself is struggling to find its own justice system. So how would you be able to deal with these kind of things? and then tell other people not to help you or tell you what to do when they're funding it. Professor Gidja, how do you answer that question? And, and I'm going to refer you to Uhuru Kenyatta's legal team that has made allegations and submissions to judges at the ICC that there has been a so-called tampering of witnesses, witnesses who were cooperating with the defense, who apparently there was an attempt to bribe them to change their testimony in line with the prosecution's case. But So there would then be the question of credibility there as well. Well, that allegation comes after the ICC or the prosecutor really accused uh, those who have been charged in Kenya, Uru Kenyatta, Ruto, and the rest, and the other of actually bribing uh, some of the witnesses, intimidating the witnesses or their families, and so on. So this is just... uh, a counter-offensive on the part of Kenya. It is more the other way around. But the question that you have just been dealing with, can Africa do it? I think Africa can if Africa had real leaders, not the type of leaders we have now. We are not a poor continent. 
the AU can be funded by us and not by donors if we really wanted to. There are a lot of expenses where even if you said 1% of the national budget would go to strengthen the AU, the AU will be self-sufficient. But Professor so Kuta, how can we do yes. it if, for instance, the African court has, uh, I believe to date, only received about 22 applications for contentious matters and you only have 26 countries that have made the special de- declaration allowing individuals and NGOs to file cases to the court? That is the African Court of Human Rights, right? There is an effort and I've been participating in that <laughs> Uh, where there is a move to merge the African Court of Human and People's Rights with the African Court of Justice, which has not seen the light of day. And the idea is to create a criminal chamber, which we did call for, and it is on record that the AU, before the ICC was established, and it was rejected out of hand, when we suggested it in Addis Ababa, now that um, the leaders are in trouble, then they are rushing to try and say, yes, we will do it. So I think that the leaders are playing games with the citizens of Africa. The citizens of Africa really have to point out to the leaders that Article 4 of the Constitutive Act of the African Union establishing the AU says that there is no national sovereignty where war crimes, crimes against humanity or genocide are committed. That's a very important point which I think we will um, tackle in just a moment. I've got two callers on the line though. Luther in Midrand says uh, uh, U.S. should stop interfering in Africa. Luther, good morning. Thanks so much. Yeah, the point I want to make is that, uh, firstly, yes, the answer is Africa can sort its own problems. The problem of not sorting our own problems is that every time we try to do that, the very same superpower, U.S. and France, interferes into our affairs, stop us from doing our own thing, and things fall apart, and they say, now you see, these people can't sort themselves out. Libya is a classical example, DRC is a classical example, and many other African states. I'm just very disappointed that the AU, instead of taking a stand and withdraw from the ICC, they still go and, and, and request the ICC not to do this and do that. And my last point is because if, if, if what Ban Ki-moon is saying that the, the, the UN security can, I mean, the, I mean from, the, from the UN that ICC is the best this and the best that for international world, why is the U.S., which sponsors the United, Na- I mean the, the United Security Council, not a member of the state. Because okay, if, if this is a very good thing for the world, at least the so-called powerful democratic state is supposed to be part of it. So it's not part of it because it knows that it's not good for the world. All right, thanks a lot, Luther. So uh, just a final word from you, Professor Guto. Emmanuel, I believe we'll, we'll chat to you in just a moment. We've got news headlines now in a minute, though. Apologies for that. So a final word from you, Professor Guto, on this issue. I think that um, it is a fallacy to say that the AU can withdraw. The AU is not uh, a state, and therefore each member that has ratified the treaty will have to follow the procedures within the treaty which they signed. In other words, 
send a letter to the Secretary General of the, of the UN um, indicating that they want to withdraw from the ICC. It is only after a year of such submission that they can uh, withdraw. And even when they withdraw, the obligations which had accrued while they were members will continue. Mm-hmm. which means, therefore, that any withdrawal will not affect the cases that we are talking about now. That should be made quite clear. Thank you very much, Professor Guter. Professor Shadrick Guter is a constitutional and international law expert. Uh, 8.30 news headlines now with Babachini Chetty. 25 minutes to 9 and let's find out uh, what's on the menu for morning talk this morning with Rowena Bird that's up until 12 midday hi Rowena hello Tepiso and here's what's coming up on morning talk today we'll talk about our national anthem and why as a symbol of national pride it's important for us to know the words and uh, to sing it properly and on personal finance with Brian Hirsch we'll explore the culture by South Africans of not saving Uh, later we discuss the Consumer Protection Act and uh, how it impacts on property buyers and sellers. This is going to happen on Property Matters with Dineo Mulomo. And then later in the program, we'll actually continue with you after a debate, Sepiso, and talk about the African Union meeting that was held this past Saturday and Africa's position on the role of the International Crimes Court in The Hague, and that completes the show. Thanks, Rowena. And, uh, of course, uh, it's day two of the cricket, the match between South Africa and Pakistan in Abu Dhabi. On the line to tell us the latest, Natalie Jamanis. Good morning. Pakistan are 11 without loss in their first innings, which means they trail by 238. This is after South Africa were bowled out this morning for 249. They only added four runs to the overnight score of 245 for eight. And this morning, Hashim Amla was dismissed in the first over of the day. Caught by Yunus Khan at second slip of the bowling of Mohammed Afan for 118 of 252 balls with 13 fours. Next to go was Dale Stane, who was stumped by the keeper, Adlan Akmal, with the bowling of Saeed Ajmal. He made 15 from 32 with 1-4 and 1-6, while Mourne Morkel was the not-out batsman, making 2 from 8. Yesterday, JP Germany made 57 from 94 deliveries. He hit 6 fours and 1-6. In the end, Mohamed Irfan picked up 3 for 44 in 18.2 overs. Junaid Khan took 1 for 52 in 18.4. Zulfiqir Baba, who's making his debut in this test match, took 3 for 89 in 27 overs. Saeed Ajmal finished off the inning taking 2 for 59 in 29.1 overs. At the crease now is Kurum Manzur who faced first ball. He's on 3 and Shan Masood is making his debut as well is on 8. Natalie Jamanis for SAFM Sports. Think about what to prosper means to you. Is it all about money or is it something more? While it's undeniable that money is a vital part of life it should never dictate the story of our lives. And only when we apply our minds as much to the storyline as the bottom line can we focus on what really matters, the road ahead. Perhaps our castles in the sky don't look the same or cost the same, but they're our castles and we all have the potential to realize them. At EBSA we believe that unconditionally. So when you thought about what to prosper means to you, talk to us. As we see it, we're not just there to help you live. We're here for you to prosper. ABSA is a member of Barclays, an authorized financial services and registered credit provider. 
In our continuous endeavor to bring leaders of our country to the common people, we host the New Age Business Briefings. On TNA Business Briefing, we bring to you Minister of Basic Education, Angie Mochecha, to discuss her plans on making the standard of basic education world-class. To book your space, visit www.thenewage.co.za or call 011-542-1218. Live on SABC2, sponsored by Telcom. Thanks to Telcom Business, I can start my next business venture with confidence because from the get-go, I'll have fast uncapped ADSL.co's domain registration, hosting with storage and email. Yep, that's going to be the next big thing, only bigger. Just as soon as I figure out where the next venture is going to be. Get an uncapped deal from Telcom Business and get your business going for the promotional price of $3.99 a month. Call 10213, visit shop.coza or go to a Telcom store. T's and C's apply. Rethink uncapped. Telcom Business. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 21 minutes uh, to 9. We continue with our forum this morning. And the question we're asking is whether or not the African Union has the capacity to provide solutions to African problems. Of course, this is on the back of that uh, weekend summit. AU leaders met in Addis Ababa petitioning the United Nations Security Council to instruct the ICC to suspend prosecution cases against uh, Uhuru Kenyatta of Kenya and his deputy, William Ruto. And they, in fact, advise Kenyatta not to attend a scheduled criminal trial at the ICC begins in November. In conversation with uh, Dr. Dan Kowali, who is, who is a senior researcher at the Center for Conflict Resolution, he's in our C-Point studio, and uh, Dr. Kofi Kwaku is a senior lecturer, Graduate School of Public and Development Management at Fitz University. You, of course, can call us on 891 I'll come back to you, Dr. Kowali. One of the issues that... Um, Professor Guto raised, which is really at the crux of the matter, is whether or not African people will get justice as a result of this, because it is the dilemma of uh, justice uh, versus peace. But but there have been instances, and um, you know, Professor Guto did really answer the questions about the concerns raised about the Ugandan example. At, uh, very well, but there, there has been a section of victim communities and academia who have criticised the court for partly contributing to the unsuccessful Juba peace talks between government of Uganda and the LRA. Is this a real possibility for Kenya, as some seem to be advancing, that it, Kenya could be war- worse off if uh, William Ruta and uh, Uhuru Kenyatta go before The Hague? Dr. Kuali, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, now we can hear you. Sir. Oh, all right, okay. I think, uh, it's, in my view, it's not correct to say that uh, there is a dilemma between peace and justice because the two are complementary. Mm. You cannot have justice without peace. You cannot have peace without justice. So the two are mutually reinforcing. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we have a concept, what we call just peace, meaning you just need to be tactical in approaching the issues. Peace and justice can coexist. Now, um, coming back to the issue of the AU, 
I think we, we, we need to look at the resolution that was passed by the AU. There are basically three or two or three things in my view. First is that the AU is arguing that uh, no African sitting head of state should be obligated to stand trial during his or her tenure of office uh, at the ICC. And then the other issue is uh, that uh, the Security Council should defer the prosecution of uh, the Kenyan president. Now, they also put a condition that if the ICC does not heed the request of the AU, then uh, African leaders will actually convince or they will rally behind uh, Uhuru not to cooperate with the court. Personally, I think uh, the idea of not cooperating with the ICC is not a good one because what will happen next is that uh, the prosecutor of the ICC can actually go to the pretrial chamber and ask for a, war uh, a warrant of arrest. So in that way, they will actually put Uhuru Kenyatta in a corner. So it's not a good idea. Now, in my view, I think uh, the main effort should be how to convince the Security Council to defer the case uh, of uh, Kenyatta mm -hmm. in the ICC. Well, Dr. Kwaku, how do you do that without seeming as if you are contradicting your own rules? I mean, the African Union itself uh, says that the rules of customary international law on personal immunities on current heads of state do not uh, bar the exercise of jurisdiction of the ICC. Well, that's a contradiction they're facing. And I think this kind of paradox is seen all over the place. And the AU's brinkmanship at this, I think it's creating some kind of brinkmanship because of that kind of contradiction, is misplaced. Clearly, if you have at the heart of the matter established that there is a crime, it shouldn't matter if you're head of state or not. In fact, these articles are already telling it. And barring criminal head of states and serving, you know, government leaders not to be prosecuted, I think, to me, it's mistaken. President Jacob Zuma is saying that um, we're not saying that heads of state, after they give up their positions, should not uh, face criminal charges. But then that's really fun. Everybody would want to be head of state so that when they're there and they're stuck into that mode for five, ten years old, how, many how long they're going to be, they're not going to be prosecuted while they're criminals. I think there is a problem there. And we need to take a look at it. And I come back again. I mean, this debate about providing solutions, the AU providing solutions, goes back to the heart of the matter. The connection, the link between crime, prosecution, and then impunity. Which one is the African Union on? Is it uh, supporting crime? Is it providing uh, support for criminals to be president in Africa or head of state? And then when they're there, they're in a cushy place. I mean... Is it doing justice to Africa? But That's raised a point. very important question earlier on, and it has been raised, and I mean, I don't want to belabor it, but the fact that you have countries that are just merely observers of the Rome Statute, you have United Nations that outright does not subscribe to it, what does it say about the relevance of the court? What does it say about the work of the court? Of course that's good, but it's a counterintuitive argument. You know, you join knowing that others won't be able to join. So you have now to really benchmark yourself mm. according to the rule of associations that you signed up to. In fact, the devil is the detail in this case. And Africans are now wrestling with their own devil to be able to find and justice how and, and how to deal with that. Okay. And they need to look for their soul. And if they're going to have to do justice to themselves and to their citizens, 
they really need to relook at the way they join those institutions that are supposed to be finding solutions for Africa. And I think they're not happy at this stage. Well, let's speak to Emmanuel in Johannesburg. Emmanuel, you called earlier on. Apologies that uh, we had to take your call only now. But you are on the line. You want to talk about the solutions themselves. Yeah, thank you, uh, So I, I just was going to say uh, two things. One is, I think the ICC is becoming increasingly illegitimate also in the eyes of many, you know, African countries, African people. So increasingly, if it is kind of using a different kind of standard for different countries, that would make the ICC itself illegitimate in the eyes of many people, which makes the whole exercise really futile. Uh, increasingly in the future will be futile. But on the other hand, we know also that people who have been victims of, of crime within African countries, citizens, like what Professor Guto was saying, have this concern that they want the justice. So uh, we are in this kind of thing. These two points are very important. What I want to emphasize then is maybe, you know, we have to think creatively. How can this moment be seized? And then we can think of really reactivating uh, within the, the AU what are the institutional things, mechanisms that we can think of, both from the state level and from grassroots level, to initiate a process where we can think, uh, redressing this one within, within African things. So p- part of the discussion today was really looking at capacity and people were talking about the incapacity of states. But I think we need to use this platform now to think of what are the possibilities forward. Thank you. Thanks, Emmanuel. Dr. Leandre on the line in Johannesburg. You say, yes, we can. Good morning, Dr. Leandre, if I can ask you to please turn your radio off. Thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, I totally disagree with uh, Dr. Kwaku, who do not understand that uh, the ICC is not a legitimate organization. The ICC is an this organization who has the agenda to pursue the interest of the colonialism with selective prosecution. If the ICC were really serious, people like George Bush and Tony Blair would have been there. So for me, I think that the key problem is the fact that a big portion of Africa, they are not independent, especially with African uh, uh, leaders, because they have to take everything from their colonial master. Look at what happened in Africa and what happened in Libya. And uh, people are talking about ICC. For me, African leaders should withdraw from this terrorist uh, and imperialist organization. African Union should withdraw from this terrorist and uh, imperialist organization. And the last thing that I would like to say is that it has always been my pleasure in listening to Professor Guto. Thanks. Thanks, Dr. Leandre. Bruce in Rheinberg, good morning. You say, the, no, the African Union can't. It doesn't have the capacity. Yes, well, morning, guys. Look, Africa's made, and AU's made certain involvement, but, but I don't believe it can objectively implement international criminal courts. The reasons have been touched on by your guests. The two main ones for me is the funding, but, but the second very important reason is, I mean, there's African countries within the AU that don't even adhere to the manifesto of the African Union. You look at human rights. I mean, there's a rise of homophobia in certain African countries, and we've still got countries in Africa that don't have free and fair elections. Equatorial Guinea's never had a free and fair election. We had the recent debacle in Zimbabwe. So how can you expect the African Union to implement objectively criminal courts when some of its own structures are still dysfunctional? Thank you. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, we'll take uh, more of uh, your SMSs. In fact, let me read some of them now, and uh, we'll return to your calls and uh, 
my panelists in just a moment. Tulani Spande writes on SMS, the AU is an impartial body who is able to declare an election free and fair and credible prior to election taking place. I'm not sure if it's a question or comment, Tulani. Madeleine Johannesburg says, African Union is uh, simply useless. Show me any tangible action ever taken by the African Union against a corrupt leader. What has ever happened to the corrupt Mugabe instead of the AU hero ship Mugabe? Okay. Jim Malulega says, in Africa, it's common practice to prosecute the victims. Spiro KZN says, African leaders deserve to be ignored. The ICC must prosecute them one by one until they start to respect their people. Kenyatta must be dragged to The Hague. And on Twitter, Spiro7M says, the Pan-African Parliament peer review mechanism and AU security have all failed. Instead, more than 12 leaders came through coups. So we'll return in just a moment. Boss! Boss! We've been taken to the cleaners. One of our customers has gone belly up and they owe us millions. What are we going to do? Stop squawking, kid. I'll send up the signal. What? What's that in the sky? That's credit guarantee swooping into our rescue. We can carry on trading. Our cash flow and bottom line is in very safe hands. We're insured against our customers not paying, going into business rescue or liquidation. Bah. You've got a hero in credit guarantee. Visit creditguarantee.co.za for more info. Why risk it without us? Credit Guarantee is an authorized financial services provider. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Well, we're continuing with our discussion. You can give us a call on 0891 We're asking, do you believe... Uh, Do you believe the African Union has the capacity to provide solutions for African problems or does the African Union have the capacity to provide solutions to African problems? And uh, you can have your say on this. Well, let's come back to you then, Dr. Kwaku. It's obviously imperative that uh, lines of communication are open between the African Union and uh, the ICC and the United Nations in turn, if there's going to be any progress at all, and if the instruments that the African Union has put in place now to take over, so to speak, are to have any hope at all in in succeeding. But looking at the ICC and the AU, their relationship, the ICC has failed to break through the ranks of the African Union. What can it do to improve relations? What can it do to improve that? Well, it's, I think to me, I wouldn't say it's very simple, but any relationship is based on some kind of protocol or agreement or understanding. You have criteria. And key to it is most of the signatories to the uh, ICC are bound by it. And if they've signed it, that means they need to adhere to it. And the ICC is saying, you've signed this, this is what we want you to do. If there are misunderstanding, we need to get back again to the nature of the crime that are being committed. Because one of the reasons these institutions of solutions are there, being the African Justice or Court of Justice or the ICC, is to find solutions to these criminal acts. If we recognize that these criminal acts are there and were committed, we need to agree on how to prosecute them or how to let them go free in terms of impunity. By and large, it seems, according to what we've heard this weekend, that the African leaders, or a great deal of them, are in favor of impunity. So if you are head of state or serving head of uh, government and that you've committed crime, you could be but there. But to raise an objection, is that uh, t- uh, tantamount to being in favor of impunity? But we need to look at the quality of the objection. 
a call for judgment, we need sound judgment from our African leaders. Raising an objective is not just enough. African I mean, the, the Union says we still respect yes. the right to prosecute leaders guilty of human rights violations, etc. We're not against that. We're committed to the ICC. When have they done we're raising, it? We're when raising they done an objection. It? We haven't seen that. And mm. so citizens are very worried. We understand the, the nature, the fraught nature of the international criminal laws and international courts. But this is a counterintuitive argument when you're not winning and you're saying, okay, why is, for example, George Bush or Tony Blair? Mm. It's got its point. But at this stage, we want to look at a sound judgment from our leaders saying, okay, if the ICC is fit for purpose, that means one of the reasons they join it is because the ICC is fit for purpose for them to prosecute those who've committed crimes, not to let them go free. And I think the relationship between the ICC and the AU are on that basis of the criminals we need to prosecute. Well, let's, let's talk about doing that, uh, Dr. Kowali, because I'm looking at the draft protocol on the statute of the African Court of Justice and Human Rights. One of the things that it does is that it does empower uh, NGO representation, for instance, and it also promotes to some level victims' rights. Will it deal with uh, what uh, Dr. Kwaku is saying is a problem that there has been no tangible willingness on the part of the African Union to show its commitment to fighting this, this impression that it is for immunity? Yeah, with due respect to Dr. Kwaku, I think uh, it is incorrect to say that uh, the African Union is tolerating impunity. I think it was clear from the Ethiopian Prime Minister, who is the chairperson of the AU at the moment, he said that uh, they are not tolerating impunity. What they are saying is uh, calling for the ICC and the Security Council to take the African concerns seriously. Now, I think the main point here is that uh, we need to move from selective justice to universal justice. And this is a strong message that uh, the AU is sending to the ICC, and ICC has to take that uh, seriously. You also mentioned a valid point about opening the lines of uh, communication between the ICC and uh, the AU. I think that is the main problem. The ICC had requested the AU to establish uh, a liaison office in Addis Ababa, but that request was turned down by the AU because uh, the AU's request to defer the Omar Bashir indictment was uh, ignored by the Security Council. So I think the first move really is to allow the ICC to establish the liaison office in uh, Addis Ababa in order to open the lines of uh, communication and also demystify this mystery of uh, the ICC being uh, focusing on Africa only. Dr. Kwaku, I think, would like to... Yeah, I mean, uh, let me come back to this one thing that's really important. That relationship can be there, but let's get back to the heart of it. In fact, the status of the ICC said the ICC is intended as a court of last resort, investigating and prosecuting only when national courts have failed. So I want to know what has those national courts done and if they have done but something, that means they failed. That's one of the reasons. There's been a self-referral. That's why the ICC has been able to uh, go ahead with some of the cases that it, it, it's looking at. Yeah, so that means they trust the ICC to deliberate and then make sure those criminals will be prosecuted. Do they trust it or do they lack the capacity? Well, Which is the question we really One of the reasons they've got those people there and they let them go is exactly because okay. the trust the ICC could do that. If you'll allow me to take Maima's call in Johannesburg. Hi, Maima. Oh. 
Um, the comment that I wanted to make, and I want to ask the question, is when we say that the ICC has only solely focused on African leaders, one of the things is, have any of the people been sent to ICC, has it not been justified? So besides the fact that they've all been from Africa, are any of them at the ICC under, you know, false claims? That's my first question. The second question, instead of focusing on the ICC, we have 500 African migrants who are dying on their way to Lampedusa. The African Union is not taking care of the interests of African people. All right. Thanks, Maima. Thank you. Um, just to quickly wrap up, um, I'll, I'll come back to you, uh, Dr. Kuwari. The head of Assembly of State Parties saying while it takes note of the AU concerns, it rather wants the bloc to focus on discussing issues that could be brought before all ICC member states when they gather for their annual meeting in The Hague in November 20. Do you think that there are issues that they could all be united around and in particular this one that we're discussing? Yes, uh, first is uh, to refine this uh, proposition they're making that uh, a sitting head of state should not be prosecuted and that calls for amendment of uh, article 27 of the Rome statute which provides for immunity uh, which does not provide for immunity for uh, for a sitting head of state or official capacity okay Dr. Now, Kuali, I'm afraid uh, let, let me just uh, talk about uh, two issues first is uh, in an ideal situation i would prefer that uh, the I, the au should be able to sort out problems in africa firstly because uh, the victims are africans and the evidence is also in africa because it is very expensive to fly uh, witnesses to to the hague you can only fly a few and that affects the quality of the evidence that is weighed by the court all right and uh, a final word from you dr kwaku yes i think this conversation around solutions is uh, around three points the first one is the au should provide a solution to itself is relationship between the itself and the ICC, which means at this stage it's not healthy and won't be healthy until it takes care of its own business. The second point is that no just there's there's no just justice without political will and political funding. The African elite has to find has to do justice to themselves and then help their citizens. The third one is to relook at finding solution now about the future of the relationship between the AU and the ICC. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Kofi Kwaku, Senior Lecturer, Graduate School of Public and Development Management at Fitz University. Thanks as well to Dr. Dan Kuali, who's a Senior Researcher at the Center for Conflict Resolution. Rowena Bird, as she mentioned, she'll be taking up the subject. Perhaps I should throw forward to you, Rowena, and say perhaps we should talk about the role of uh, uh, parliaments in Africa. If the, ICC, if the AU wants to withdraw from the ICC, it has to go to parliament to seek permission to do that. So what would be the role of parliamentarians in this that is obviously the citizens of Africa. Nine o'clock time for your news with Fabakshini Chetty. Then after morning talk with Rowena Bird.